Welcome to Pursuing Biblical Masculinity, a podcast we explore God's Word to uncover the disciplines we need to live out our faith. Our goal is to help men not just know Scripture, but to help them put it into practice so that they can stand firm in their faith. So today we are starting a new series on great men of the faith. In this series, we'll be looking at great men of faith who stood firm and were models for us of what it looks like to be Christian men. Some of them you will know and some of them maybe you don't really know, but you can learn something new for the first time. We're going to take a look at who they are, what they were known for, how they impacted the faith, and even where they fell short and what we can learn from it. So today we are going to be kicking off with Martin Luther. Martin Luther was born on November 10th, 1483 in Eislingen, Germany. Uh, He actually originally went to school to be a lawyer to help support his family business. His father uh, was in the mining business and he was looking to grow and expand. And one of the ways you would do that in the 14th, 15th, 16th century is send your kids to college so they can come back and work for you and your family business. And that's what Martin originally went to do. His conversion story is is pretty famous in a lot of circles. You know, finding himself in the midst of an intense lightning storm on his way back uh, to, to college. And he, he believes in that moment that he is going to die. And he makes a plea to God saying, if you spare me, I will become a monk. Well, he survives and he becomes a monk. Uh, much to the frustration of his father, he changes course and devotes his life to the ministry. Now, Martin continued to deal with over his whole life an immense depression. Uh, it, it constantly uh, bothered him and it constantly attacked him and weighed very, very heavily on him. Uh, and a lot of this was produced from a guilt and a shame over sin. He had a, an immense struggle with the assurance of salvation. Now, this was, was very prevalent pre-Protestant Reformation, where he's a monk and he's, he's trying to figure out how does he please God? How does he give back to God? And no matter what he does, he continually feels like he comes up short. Now, I don't know about you guys, I've been in that place a number of times in my life where I, uh, maybe my sin seems too great or there, there's nothing I can do to earn this salvation. And unfortunately, during the Middle Ages, that's the kind of teaching that was going on in the church. It was a performance-based religion at that moment. We had really gotten away from the roots of the gospel and we were striving to earn salvation uh, through many different means and one of the big things that really started to spark massive change for Luther was the selling of indulgences where the church uh, in order to raise money would sell essentially tickets out of purgatory. You can knock time off your purgatory if you, if you pay for indulgences. And this to Martin just seemed very, very out of whack, uh, very much against scripture. He could not find any kind of validation of this act in scripture. So as a response to that, he wanted to have uh, a debate. So Martin Luther is probably most known for kicking off the Protestant Reformation. And there's a lot of you know, myths around any of these historical figures at times where stories get tweaked over the years. Uh, but he wrote these 95 theses and they weren't intended to cause division. He didn't want to break from the Catholic Church. He wanted to defect change. He saw these indulgences going on and he thought that the Pope didn't know about it and we needed to have a debate. We need to talk about them and see uh, 
where we need to correct our path so that we could bring people into right relationship with God. So he didn't make this big to-do about nailing these 95 theses on the door and sending them out all across the country. Honestly, he, he, he made these posts and they were written in Latin. Uh, and the reason they were written in Latin, because the common people would not be able to understand it, but only those who uh, were in the church who actually used Latin on a regular basis. Uh, it was an invitation for debate. Well, some German printers translated them and started uh, publishing them out and around. And uh, the common people started reading them. And this thing took off like wildfire. And it really reminds me uh, of a line of scripture from John 8, 31 through 32, where Jesus talks about the power of truth. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, the word of God is, is powerful. And when you abide in the word of God and the truth of scripture, it breaks through uh, the chains of confusion, it breaks through the chains of sin, and it opens up our hearts to see as God intended us to see. So while Martin, yes, was very bold in making these thesis uh, statements, uh, God took this small step of faith and turned it into a reformation of his church. Now, one of the most famous uh, words or phrases from Martin Luther comes from the Diet of Worms. And so here is where he is standing essentially on trial for the things that he has written. Things that are contrary to the teachings of the Catholic Church at this time. Uh, and this, this quote, you might have seen it during the Reformation week, which is the same time as Halloween, but let's be honest, that's Reformation day, that's the real holiday. Um, where he's standing there and he has to make a defense for himself. And essentially they're asking him to deny everything that he has said. And if he doesn't, they are most likely going to kill him. Well, Martin looks at what he's written. Um, they actually give him an, an extra day to go back and, and, and read through his stuff to see where he may have made an error. Uh, and he comes back to the diet and they ask him, do you recant? And he says, I, I cannot and I will not. And then he ends it with this famous phrase, here I stand, I can do no other. God help me, amen. So here he's in the face of honestly the most powerful man, uh, the most powerful organization, even the Holy Roman Empire at that time, who has the ability to, to kill him for what he is saying. And instead of backing down and cowering, he stands on the truth because he knows that what he has written is backed fully in scripture. At this moment, he, he wasn't completely arrogant either. He even makes this redress that if I am shown at my error, I will be the first to throw my books into the fire. He was actually willing to have a conversation at this moment. Uh, again, the, the people in power were not, but he was. You know, and So this is uh, something really powerful, I think, that, that we can look at as well. When we know we are standing in the truth of God's word, we need to stand firm. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 13-14, this is a verse that we've used a number of times here. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And then it follows that up, let all that you do be done in love. At this moment, I think this is a very good picture of that. Standing firm in the faith and doing it in love. Because again, his intent was not to bring division. His intent was to bring reformation, that the church would get back on path. So how has Martin Luther impacted the faith? Well, one of the biggest things is justification by faith alone. 
This was the major division in the Protestant church. Martin Luther was reading through the book of Romans and he comes across Romans 1.17 and it says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This verse really began to mess with him as he was saying, well, if God is revealing his righteousness and he's giving his righteousness in faith and he's asking us to accept it in faith and there's nothing that we can do in order to earn our salvation. And this is where we began to get that, the doctrine of justification by faith alone. There's nothing that we do, but it's faith in the one who did it all for us, Jesus Christ, that we now are made right with God. The other thing that, that Martin did and made a huge impact was getting scripture into the hands of common people. At this time, most pastors didn't read scripture. Most monks didn't read a lot of scripture. Uh, it was in Latin. Most people didn't read Latin. If they had some kind of training in reciting Latin, they didn't often understand it. Uh, and the lay people didn't have access to the Word of God. And Martin Luther believed that it was essential that people had access to the Scriptures. Um, and so much so, he, he's known for this quote. It says, A simple layman armed with Scripture is to be believed above Pope or a council without it. He believed that Scripture was the determining factor of all truth. See, at this time, uh, the way the, the Catholic Church was set up, and, and still in a lot of ways today, uh, it's both scripture and tradition, and tradition interprets scripture. Martin Luther saw through scripture that it's actually the other way around, is that scripture, solo scriptura, a scripture alone is the final authority in what we believe because scripture is the word of God. And so one of the things that he did uh, while hiding uh, was translate the Bible into German. This act, again, was an act that could get him killed. Um, but it was one that he stood strong in and did because he believed so strongly in the power of the Word of God. The other thing that Martin Luther did that a lot of people don't know is that he uh, reinstituted congregational singing in the worship service. Uh, up to this point, the, the church had really ceased singing, uh, and Martin Luther believed that, that music was a powerful way to express our love to God. He says, next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. The gift of language combined with the gift of song was given to man that he should proclaim the word of God through music. He saw music as a way to express the word of God uh, in a very powerful form. And his most famous hymn, Martin Luther wrote a number of hymns, but his most famous one is called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And it's one of my favorite songs. It's got some powerful lyrics about how we struggle day to day uh, against the power of evil and darkness in this world, but that our God ultimately wins in the end and that we will be with him forever. Now, all men have faults. Uh, the only one who is without fault is Jesus Christ, and that's why we place our hope and trust in him alone. And while we can learn a lot from Martin Luther, there's also things that we can learn from the ways that he didn't necessarily always live up to uh, his Christian character. So words can be both a gift and a curse. And we see a number of times throughout history where Martin Luther attacked fellow Christians very harshly and saying things that are honestly just, just downright rude and disrespectful. See, we're all prone to sin, so we have to be unguarded. A verse I quoted from 1 Corinthians tells us to be watchful, not just for the things that are going on around us, but the things that are inside of us. We're prone to sin. We're prone to wander. So we have to be humble. We have to treat others with respect, even those that we disagree with. And earlier, we saw a lot more of humility in Martin Luther with, 
but the way that he was willing to, to have these debates, and he continued to debate throughout his career. Um, but we also have to be willing to watch our tongue because our tongue can build up and it can destroy. And we can learn from both the positive things by looking to scripture, uh, by singing together, by standing firm in the faith, but we also learn from the negative aspects of his life where uh, allowing our words to, to sometimes come across as harsh um, or honestly downright saying things that, that should not be said because uh, they're disrespectful. We're not treating others uh, as though they, they are made in the image of God. And that's something we have to remember no matter whether we agree or disagree with others. So as we look at the life of Martin Luther, uh, a couple questions for us to ponder. In what areas of our life are we standing firm in the midst of adversity? What areas of our life are we conforming to the world around us? Where we need to shift and begin to stand firm in the truth of God's word. One of the things that can really help us grow in our faith and move us towards uh, being the man that God has called us to be is mentorship and discipleship. At Reformed and Redeemed, that's, that's what we do. We walk alongside men and help them build the disciplines they need to live out their faith and be the men that God has called them to be. If you'd like to learn more about Christian coaching and mentoring, check us out today at reformedandredeemed.org.